You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody, to Fan Rack Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for the hour. And my guest on today's show, coming up a little bit later on, from CBSSports.com, Chris Towers. Uh, baseball analyst there. He's really a jack-of-all-trades. Uh, does a lot of basketball, football. Chris is going to come on with us and talk about the Marlins. Uh, we haven't really talked much about the Marlins uh, this season, and take a look at the record and, you know maybe there's reason for that but from a fantasy perspective very very interesting team uh but we will get to that later lots and lots of news to get to today uh some of it breaking just within the last last hour or so i'd say the big story uh Jerry's familia has a blood clot in his shoulder he may need surgery uh and of course things had not been going particularly well for familia on the mound lately uh blew a save last night and um, just hadn't really has not been himself since uh, coming back from the uh, from the suspension uh, for a violation of the domestic pil- uh, violence policy in Major League Baseball. So it uh, looks like Addison Reed will be back in the closer seat uh, there in, in the Queens in Queens. Why did I just call it the Queens in Queens? It's the Bronx and Queens. Anyway, so jury's familiar uh, with the blood clot. And uh, Addison Reed back as the Mets closer. Uh, the A's have demoted Jarrell Cotton to AAA Nashville. So uh, things also not going particularly well for Cotton of late. He is out of the A's rotation. I've not seen anything yet in terms of a replacement. Uh, also, well, actually, this may be the replacement right here. Sean Manaya expected to return either Sunday or Monday. He has been on the DL with a shoulder issue. Uh, Ian Kinsler expected to return today. He's been out with a hamstring injury. Uh, but the the big Tigers news that you've uh, probably been waiting for, J.D. Martinez is uh, expected to be back at least a 50% chance, I should say, maybe not quite expected, but a 50% chance of being back this weekend. So uh, some good news there. Two pieces of good news there for the Tigers. Uh, Andrew Tolls is to have season-ending surgery on his torn right ACL. So that's a big blow for the Dodgers, big blow for Andrew Toll's owners. Uh, David Price is about to go on a rehab assignment, and he is slated to have his first rehab start on Sunday, that being May 14th, and then another one five days later on the 19th. So uh, not there's no specific timetable, in terms of when Price will come back, but he will be making at least those two rehab starts. So best case scenario, maybe we see David Price the last week of May. That would be pretty darn cool. So anyways, lots more news to get to. Like I said, we got Chris Towers coming up later in the show. We got some standout performances. Lots to stick around for, so please do. We'll be right back.
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. And uh, we've got more news to get to, some uh, score updates, lineup updates, weather updates. But before all of that, let me just tell you about the 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can take it with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the king on the couch, or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go, so go get the Fantasy Sports Radio app now for free in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. All right, well, we've got two games in progress, actually both in the seventh inning, both pitchers' duels. We've got the Brewers and the Red Sox in Milwaukee tied up 1-1. Brewers finally tied that one up. And I have to say, I advised a lot of people not to start Eduardo Rodriguez. I thought this was a horrible, horrible matchup and venue for him, and he has been superb. But he did finally give up a run. Uh, Jimmy Nelson also been very good in that one. And then we've got the Royals leading the Rays, one nothing in St. Pete. And uh, there we've got Jake Odorizzi, who's already out of the game, but six very nice innings with just one run allowed. And Jason Vargas still in there pitching shutout ball. Uh, so a couple of nice, actually four nice pitching performances so far from the starters. Now in those games, no Ryan Braun. He has not been the game yet. He's he's still dealing with the calf issue day to day. Hanley Ramirez out again with the trapezius uh, with the trapezius injury, and Steven Souza also has not appeared yet. Uh, he is dealing with a thumb injury. So those are situations uh, that certainly you need to track as we head towards the weekend. Few other notes: uh, Kendris Morales. The Blue Jays are hoping he can avoid uh, a DL stint but he has been dealing with a minor hamstring strain. Uh, and uh, so he'll probably be out for a little while. Shelby Miller had his uh, Tommy John surgery, and it reportedly went very well, according to MLB.com. Also, according to MLB.com, uh, Jan Gomes and uh, Abraham Almonte, they left uh, yesterday's game uh, early, and Gomes left due to an illness. Almonte has a right shoulder injury. So uh, Indians a little bit banged up there. And one more quick look in uh, as far as today's games are concerned. Weather-wise, looking very good for all the games on the slate, except for the Orioles at the Nationals tonight. There's a 42% chance of precipitation at game time. This according to Roto Grinders uh, meteorologist Kevin Roth. And that uh, precipitation chance will decline as... The game progresses, so it doesn't look like there's really any serious weather issues, but if there's one game to watch in terms of a, a possible rainout, uh, the Orioles at Nationals, that would be the one to watch. Uh, all right, well, back to some of yesterday's performances. You know, At the top of the show, talked about Jerry's Familia's uh, injury, uh, which is obviously very bad news for him, uh, also very bad outing last night for, or rather yesterday uh, for Familia. But uh, he was not alone in terms of closers who had some trouble. Brad Brock in that uh, Nationals Orioles series, he blew a save. And of course he's in there with Zach Britton out for at least a month and a half. 
Um, Brock has really struggled lately. And Cody Allen has too. He blew a save. It was just his first blown save of the season. He's been having some control issues, but uh, he has been working on tweaking his delivery so that uh, he can get back to throwing strikes like he was earlier in the season. In terms of the hitters on Wednesday's games, Aaron Altair with a two-homer game. It seems that pretty much every day we've got at least one two-homer game to report. So Aaron Altair, another nice game for him. And he's really he's been in the lineup regularly now. He did miss a couple of games with a sore wrist. But uh, pretty much other than those two games over the weekend, Altair has been settling in as a regular in the Phillies outfield. And so now his latest uh, game, two for four with two home runs. Batting average now up to 351 and Altair with seven home runs on the season. So there's really no reason at this point not to get Altair in a standard mixed roto league. I had some concerns about the playing time, uh, you know, going back about a week, but he has uh, earned that uh, that playing time. Danny Valencia also heating up. He went four for six in that same game for the Mariners against the Phillies and hit his fourth home run of the season. So uh, Valencia also settling into everyday play uh, at first base for the Mariners. Matt Wieters went three for five and hit that walk-off RBI single against the Nationals. His batting average is now up to 289, and he's been walking a ton, so much more than he has in the past. So while Wieters is providing decent power, he's really been a nice on-base source so far this year and that that can only be a great thing in that nationals lineup so 373 is his current on base percentage and he has four home runs on the year so he's certainly not lacking uh for power uh this one is a little bit of an unexpected standout line from wednesday ezekiel carrera went three for five with a home run and that was his third home run of the season this was against the indians so carrera now batting 313 but just in case you're thinking there might be a, kind of a hidden power outbreak, uh, breakout rather, going on for Carrera, he's one of the lowest people on the leaderboard, the StatCast leaderboard, in terms of average fly ball distance, 288 feet per fly ball. And Carrera's not a big fly ball hitter anyway. But, um, you know, that batting average is nice. But if you're interested in Carrera in a deeper league, I do think he appears to be regression bound. I would not say the same thing for Colby Rasmus, though, who has really been on fire since coming off the DL. He went three for five against the Royals on Wednesday. He hit his third home run of the season, but again, he's only uh, been playing for uh, a little bit over a week. So he's now batting 320 with the three home runs in that short time. And his average fly ball distance is 341 feet. So he's really on the opposite end of the continuum from Ezekiel Carrera. So nice power from Colby Rasmus. And uh, good batting average to boot. I wouldn't necessarily expect that batting average to last. But uh, Rasmus, at times in his career, has been a really nice power source. Keon Broxton, uh, he's uh, actually extended his hot hitting in today's game. I know he got the first hit off of Eduardo Rodriguez, a double. And I'm not sure exactly what uh, his uh, line looks like so far. So I'm, I'm looking at it. But he had a big game on Wednesday as well. But Broxton, yeah, just the one hit, one for three with a strikeout today. His batting average now at 268. But uh, on Wednesday, he had a two-hit game with another double, so he's now up to eight doubles. And uh, coming into today, over his last 16 games, so this does not include the ongoing game right now with the Red Sox, 
Broxton has a slash line of a 385 batting average, a 458 on base percentage, and a 692 slugging percentage. But wait, there is more. <laughs> In addition to all that, he's also had six stolen bases over the last 16 games. So Broxton is just red hot and definitely has already more than made up for the slow start. So as I was talking about with Aaron Altair, I think there's also absolutely no reason to keep you from using Broxton and a five outfielder Roto League. And, uh, you know, maybe because he is so hot at this point and really filling up the box score in terms of power, average, and speed, maybe even he's worth a try in a three outfielder league. But uh, Broxton really, really shaping into form here. Uh, let's uh, move on to the pitching performances. Uh, quite a few of these, uh, but uh, Chris Archer, of course, Deserves mention because he had a fantastic outing against the Royals yesterday. Eight scoreless innings with five hits, no walks, and 11 strikeouts. And that's not so much of a surprise. But another pitcher also went eight deep, not allowing a run. And that was Herman Marquez for the Rockies. And against the Cubs, I know the Cubs have not been quite the team they were last year so far this year. But I think you would agree that they're a more feared matchup than the Royals are. And that's who Chris Archer faced, but Marquez eight scoreless innings, three hits allowed, just one walk and eight strikeouts. So uh good performance for him. Uh, not that, you know, Marquez by any stretch is a bad pitcher or one who doesn't have some fancy relevance. That one to me though, really does not fit. <laughs> does not fit with his track record. I uh, certainly didn't expect that against the Cubs. I don't really expect that going forward. I mean, certainly if he comes back the next time and, you know, has something, some kind of performance like that, you know, then I think we get interested in, in Herman Marquez. But Zach Godley has had a couple of nice starts. Uh, this one against the Tigers, seven innings, just one run, six strikeouts, four hits, one walk. Uh, Godley has been fantastic. He's been throwing the curveball a lot more, getting a lot of swings and misses on that. So Godley is somebody now who I think even after just two starts and even with his station in the Diamondbacks rotation, not totally secure. Uh, he's somebody I'm certainly going to start looking at in the deeper mixed leagues and keeping an eye on maybe for the standard ones uh, more long term. So we've got more pitchy, we more pitchers to talk about, but we're going to say this for later because when we come back, we're going to talk to Chris Towers from CBS Sports. We're talking about the Marlins. A lot to talk about there. So stick around. We will be right, right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, and I'm your host. And with me now on the line is Chris Towers. He's our guest today. Chris Towers from CBSSports.com and the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Chris, welcome to the show. Al, can I just tell you, it's lovely to hear your voice. I'm so pleased to be here. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Now, I've caught you on Fantasy Baseball Today a couple of times uh, since uh, you know, I left CBS back in, in last August. Uh, so I've heard you a little bit, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the show. Again, first, first time appearance on the show. Uh, and, and I just, you know, I, I get guests on and, you know, particularly if it's somebody in a particular market or somebody who, you know, follows or covers the team, you know, I like to go in depth. So I knew at some point I wanted to have a Marlins chat with you, Chris. So I'm glad you're here. And I, and there's a lot, there's a lot to get to. So, um, you know, let's, let's start with the big guy, 
John <laughs> Carlos uh, Stanton. I mean, by all surface appearances, he's having a John Carlos Stanton kind of year with a lot of strikeouts, but a, you know, an okay average and you know a home run pace that you would expect. But I'm a little bit worried about him. And you know, you and I have had a lot of okay. discussions about him over the years, and I feel like at every turn I've defended him. Well, no, he's not injury prone. He's just had a lot of you know sort of weird freaky, fluky injuries, you know, yeah, he's streaky, but the overall production is always going to be there, but he still hits for a lot of power, but he's not quite, you know, like, uh, when, when stack cast frame, it first came out and they had those exit velocity tables and you had yeah, like, the yeah. Chapman filter for the pitchers and you had the Stanton filter. And so it's like, Stanton was kind of like, <laughs> you know, it a rung all by himself among power hitters. I don't think he's there anymore. His uh, in terms of average yeah. fly ball distance the last two years he's fallen back to the pack. So I mean, what do you think about all this? That's fair. I mean, part of that is you've had guys like Miguel Snow and Aaron Judge who are also, you know, stack cast monsters who are crushing the ball all over, all over the field. But he is he's a little bit of a different player right now. You know, he's he's been a more aggressive hitter or swinger over the last couple of seasons, and that sustained itself. Last season we saw the downside of that where he just he couldn't make contact with anything. He was topping over every slider that he saw if he could even make contact with it. This season, you're seeing that aggressiveness continue, except that he's been much more aggressive on pitches inside of the strike zone and actually has dialed back the aggressiveness on pitches outside of the strike zone. That's the kind of improvement you want to see from a, from a guy who has had trouble with the breaking ball, and that leads to inconsistency from him. So, yeah, maybe he's not crushing 115 mile per hour lasers everywhere uh every other at bat but i'm i'm impressed by what we're seeing in terms of his his plate discipline especially especially because he hasn't had to sacrifice all that much power for it that's uh, yeah that, that's a good optimistic take i like it uh, i don't like to be <laughs> down on john carl stanton so <laughs> yeah, yeah was I mean, very I, look, it, it's still it's still a situation where you're looking at a guy who hasn't played more than 145 games since 2011 so for me the bigger concern is yeah he's going to go to go into a slump at some point but I'm more concerned about him just staying healthy if he stays healthy I think the numbers will be there by the end of the season well you know that that's I think that's more than fair and you know the other uh you know one of the other components there in the Marlins outfield Marcelo Zuna actually so far he's been the more valuable yeah. fantasy producer but you know we saw him start last year red hot as well i have to admit i have a little bit of hesitation buying in on marcelo zuna i mean do you think do you think he's actually surpassed stanton and if not i mean do you think at least that he'll level off at a place where he's he's must start well you know there's an interesting thing with marcelo zuna we did see this kind of start from him last season and then he really tailed off in the second half it's easy to forget that guy started the all-star game last year. He was an injury replacement, but he still started the all-star game. And then he really tailed off. And part of that was he did injure his wrist diving for a ball in the outfield. They're playing him in left field, not center field anymore. So I think that might limit at least some of the risk involved with him in the outfield. I'm not expecting him to be, you know, one of the elite power hitters in baseball, but you know, when I'm looking at my rankings, it's hard to ju- to justify him not being inside of my top 30. I've put him right next to Aaron Judge, who everybody loves right now. Everybody's on the Aaron Judge bandwagon. And I think that makes sense. But, you know, Marcelo Zuna is doing a lot of things really well. He's hitting the ball really hard. He's improved his plate discipline in the early going. 
So I like what we're seeing, and maybe the tail off last year at least has an explanation, you know? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And, you, you know, you mentioned him flipping over to left field, so that flipped Christian Yelch over to center. And he's having an okay season, um, you know, a little bit off of what he did last year, you know, still hitting tons of grounders and still, you know, on a 20 home run plus pace. And that's, I know that was another enduring office debate that, you know, we all used to have about <laughs> Chris Yelch's power. But I want, I want to go to a different direction, uh, which is that he's not, I mean, whatever power he, he's had, it's been almost exclusively against righties. And yeah. do you have Yelich in your, your top 30? I, you know, I, I yeah, I do. Him. I have him in some of my top 20, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, that's right around where I have him. And yet, you know, somebody who produces at that level overall, I don't think about sitting them. But I've really given some thought about sitting Yelich in a week where the Marlins face, you know, say three lefties. And I think next week is actually one of those weeks where uh, they've got the Dodgers and uh, I forget exactly who the other team was, but they're facing three or four mm-hmm. lefties. I think I would sit Yelich. Uh, is that, uh, is that crazy? Well, you look at his career and there's been a big split, which is pretty typical for a left-handed batter. A lot of them struggle against lefties. And for him, the biggest issue is he can still hit for average against lefties, not the, you know, pushing 300 guy that he's been over the last couple of seasons, but he hits in the 270, 280 range pretty consistently against lefties. It's just an empty average. You're not going to likely get home runs, but, you know, maybe he picks up a couple of singles and he's more likely to run because he's not hitting extra base hits. I, I get it. There are, you know, the 270 batting average is, it's replaceable, you know, if, if that's all he's going to do against the lefty, but you also have to consider that it's 2017. So, you know, maybe he faces Clayton Kershaw next week, but if he faces Alex Wood, he might see Alex Wood three times. There's almost no chance he's seeing Alex Wood four times next week because most, (laughs) you know, most pitchers at this point, it's really hard to find a pitcher, a starter who's going more than five and two thirds innings right now. So yeah, I think that's one thing where it, it can be a little, it can be easy to overstate the starting pitcher, but nearly half the game is going to be handled by the bullpen too. Well, yeah, and that's a fantastic point when you're talking about Alex Wood, uh, you know, who pitches great for five innings, but just, just for five innings. Yeah. Um, so, or or Jin Ryu if it's the Dodgers. You know, there's no guarantee yes. that these guys are going to go Julio Urias. There's no guarantee that these guys are going to go six, seven innings either. Yeah, in fact, I would say it's probably a long shot. So that's, uh, yeah. that's a great point about next week. Uh, and Dee Gordon dropped to the ninth spot in the batting order. I mean, he's his numbers are fine. You know, he's hitting for average about what you would expect, maybe a little lower, but the steals are there. He's on the 60 steal pace. But how much do you think that hurts him to be dropped to the ninth spot? Or do you, or do you even expect that this is going to be a longstanding thing for him? It feels like a short-term thing. It feels like a... You know, let's see if we can get it going, get that batting average up to 280 or something, and then we'll we'll see where he ends up. I I would guess he's back in the in the top of the lineup before long. Actually, did you notice he started at shortstop yesterday? I did. I did. That I'm not feels sure like how a much potentially yeah. more. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to continue, but this team has so many injuries. You know, their their top two shortstops on the roster right now are hurt. JT Riddle was scratched yesterday. I'd love to see D Gordon get five five starts at shortstop just because shortstop's such a mess right now. It, it's a lot easier to justify him in your starting lineup at shortstop than it is at second base right now. Yeah, and if nothing else, I mean, regardless of the depth of the position, I mean, that flexibility 
can really be valuable, yeah. uh, you know, when you're you're trying to piece together your lineup. Uh, let's uh, move on over to the pitching, uh, and there's <laughs> you know, a reason why there's a reason why I put that second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are fewer. There, there's a reason fit. the Marlins are under 500, and and that's it. Yeah, that's absolutely it. Because the lineup, you know, there's plenty of good and and fantasy relevant options there. The starting rotation. I mean, the the only person in that rotation I really think is fantasy relevant at this point is Dan Sterling, and I quite like what he's done this year. Um, is that an exaggeration to say that Sterling is is fantasy fantasy relevant? And uh, are you buying what he's done so far? Well, pitching's been such a disaster, especially outside of the top 20, that there might be 80 starting pitchers that are fantasy relevant in any given week just because there's just no separation between most of them. But he, he's an interesting guy because he's a, he's a very cerebral pitcher. He's talked about you know, how he, he uses kind of advanced metrics to, to change his approach. He's trying to you know, elevate his four-seam fastball, try to get whiffs with that because he doesn't have the best stuff. And he actually does have the highest swing strike rate he's had since 2014, 11.1%. That's getting close enough to league average that you might be able to buy him as a uh, an average or close to above average strikeout guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, the the walks sometimes kind of cut into the value of those strikeouts, but yeah, you know, he's got a great park for somebody who uh, you know doesn't keep the ball down and. Uh, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I you know I kind of like him, especially as a two-start streamer. And yeah, uh, that's that's mostly it when there's two starts. Yeah, no, exactly. And then last thing, because we got to head to another break, Chris. Um, you think AJ Ramos will be the closer a month from now? Yeah, I don't see any of the other guys really getting there. The worst thing that Ramos does, walk guys, Kyle Barrett does too. So it's hard to see him losing stuff. <laughs> All right, well, Chris, great talking to you. Thanks for joining us again today. Thanks for the insight. And uh, stick around, folks. Got a lot more coming up. Right back after the break. Welcome back to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, we, well, first of all, before we do get on to some of the pitching performances from Wednesday, I want to give a big thanks to Chris Towers from CBSSports.com. Uh, some great insight there. Got me uh, feeling good about John Carlos Stanton again. Uh, so uh, thanks to Chris, and uh, hope to have him back on again at some point uh, during the season here. So uh, we had, before we had Chris on, we were talking about some of the standout pitching performances and hit three of the, I would say, the most notable ones. Chris Archer, of course, with a big eight-inning scoreless inning uh, performance with 11 strikeouts. And then Hermann Marquez with a surprisingly stout performance against the Cubs. And also Zach Godley, who I, I've found to be very impressive in his two starts up. And I'll admit that when Godley first came up a few years back, I was very impressed by him then, too. So uh, I will admit I am personally rooting for him to stick in the Diamondbacks rotation, and I need to... Uh, pick them up in some leagues. Uh, in terms of pitchers, you probably can't pick up, but uh, have made a statement. Kenta Maeda uh, hadn't been going deep into games. Of course, that really goes back to last season. And of course, that's all part of uh, the transition from pitching in Japan. But he had been giving up tons and tons of homers. And that has come to a grinding halt. And he's back to being uh, what looks like a must-start option. Against the Pirates, he went eight and a third innings, just allowed two runs, 
on five hits and no walks with five strikeouts. And over his last three starts combined, he's allowed just one home run. That is critical for Maeda and certainly the eight and the third too. When they brought him back out for the ninth, I was shocked. Um, so, but, you know, in a good way. So a uh, very, very impressive start for Maeda. Kyle Hendricks has been slowly, gradually getting back into form, it seems, with, with each start after a first few starts this season where he really did not resemble the pitcher he was last year at all in terms of lower velocity, really poor control and poor command. The velocity came back first, and then you know the others have, have followed. And this latest start, of course, was a great test for him. At Colorado, he went six and a third, allowed three runs, but only two were earned. Just four hits uh, and uh, seven strikeouts for Hendricks. So very, very nice line against a good Rockies team at Coors Field. I think at this point you can feel safe about keeping Hendricks in your rotation. Tommy Malone in his Mets debut. Mets picked him up the other day off of waivers from the Brewers. And a very, very nice Mets debut for Tommy Malone. He only won five innings. But only two runs allowed, six hits, two walks, five strikeouts against the Giants. So pretty nice debut for Tommy Malone. You know, not not bad for uh, a deeper league. You know, I would say an NL only league, but could you know could have some value there. Andrew Triggs with another nice start. He went six innings, just allowed one run against the Angels. Only three hits, did walk three batters, and uh, four strikeouts for Triggs. And Luis Perdomo, I've really liked him. I was sort of disappointed that he didn't get to be a two-star pitcher this week. Last I looked, though, he will be one next week. And if you were looking for uh, a sign to be encouraged here, pretty good start here at Texas for Perdomo. Six innings, three runs, so meets the quality start criteria. Did give up seven hits and four walks. Uh, and the four walks against Texas is a, is slightly troubling because the Rangers are one of the least selective teams in the majors, but that probably also helped Perdomo rack up those seven strikeouts. So overall, yeah, the walks concern me a little bit, but overall, really nice start for Perdomo, uh, who is right up there as one of the best ground ball pitchers in terms of frequency of ground balls uh, in the major leagues right now. Now, I had put out a request on Twitter, and and you know, people people came through on this, so I thought this was kind of fun. I asked uh, people to tell me who is the pitcher so far this year who has the stat line that just makes the absolute least sense to you. <laughs> and I will tell you uh, who inspired this for me because it was somebody we've talked about on this show whose stats just make absolutely no sense to me. And I don't know what to make of this pitcher. And it turns out one of you who responded to this came up with the same pitcher. So I, I feel much less alone uh, now, knowing that uh, somebody else has these same feelings about this mystery pitcher. But uh, let's uh, take a look. I'll, I'll save that pitcher for last. But uh, at YRC21, uh, his pick is Antonio Sensatella. Says, great ERA and whip pitching for Colorado. And yeah, that's absolutely true for Sensatella. And yeah, his, his performance has been a little bit of a head-scratcher. I mean, he's a, a very, very good control pitcher, works works in the zone uh, about as much as, as just about anybody, uh, you know, has sort of that Bartolo Colon profile in a way, like really, really good control, but you just, you know, you, you could see him, you know, because he does work in the zone so much, also getting hit around quite a bit, and, and he's really been spared that for the most part. 
and has been much, much better than Bartolo Colon this year. And yeah, he pitches for the Rockies. So you would expect that if anything, uh, you, you could expect him, you know, more so than the average pitcher to get hit around. And uh, yeah, I don't have a really good uh, answer for this one as to why that hasn't happened with Sensatella. Uh, you know, just maybe that, uh, you know, he's really got some pretty special command, but I, I'll admit I'm not bought in on Sensatella at, at this point. So, I mean, I, I like that pick as somebody who has a, a, a stat line that, that begs for some, some skepticism from at my cubes, uh, Mike Hubes, I kind of ran that together. Uh, he, he gave me two. So he gave me a bonus pitcher, uh, all for the, you know, all for the same price. Jason Vargas, who actually, this is a good cue for me to check back in on that Royals raise game. And that's now six, nothing Royals. Uh, so Vargas, another great start. He went seven deep in this one, seven innings, a three hit effort for him with just one walk and four strikeouts. So yeah, Jason Vargas, uh, the numbers make sense to me. I just didn't expect the numbers. You know, he's been uh, not in this particular game, but he's been a, a pretty good strikeout pitcher. And, uh, you know, the efficiency and control are not something that are really that new for Vargas. Maybe we could have, you know, kind of lost sight of that because, you know, with the Tommy John surgery, we hadn't really seen him pitch and see him be whole for a long time. But I always did like Vargas as a guy who could go deep into games, gave up a lot of fly balls. And so there was always that risk of with the low whip, you might have a really high ERA, but he's just been, you know, flat out consistent and good and more, more in addition to more strikeouts, more grounders. Although that trend has definitely tailed off for Vargas, but he's missing enough bats that it's, it's really not hurting him. And the second pitcher uh, that Mike sent me is Charlie Morton. And he asks, how do you randomly go from an average fastball to a flamethrower at age 32 or 33? Yeah, Mike, I don't know. I don't know. But despite it, I think that Morton is somebody you have to be very careful with in terms of the matchups. So, um, you know, he had, uh, for example, I think about a week ago, a very nice start at the Rangers. And, and I've been kind of picking on the Rangers because they're not very selective. But that's the sort of team I could see Morton doing well against. Uh, whereas maybe a team like the Angels or the Red Sox, uh, I'm not so sure he would do as well. Um, so, yeah, Morton's more of a streamer, whereas Vargas is somebody I think at this point he's shown after uh, almost six whole weeks. He, he's very consistent and you can rely on him. Uh, this one from at Kerry Fry, he says, Samarja, zero hesitation. And I, I'll put him in the Charlie Morton or Jason Vargas camp of, yeah, the numbers make sense. He's missing bats. Uh, I just didn't expect Samarja to improve at this stage of his career uh, as somebody who was really going to be better than a strikeout pitcher and as somebody who you were going to be able to trust away from AT&T Park. And I have to admit, I'm I'm still a bit skeptical. So I'd say I, I lump him in more with Morton than Vargas that uh, I, I want, still want to see a bit more from Samarja before being convinced that he's not going to be hurt with the long ball at some of those tougher venues, uh, AT&T park. I, I don't worry about it. And certainly the strikeouts are a really, really, you know, nice bonus with him, uh, at Cecil underscore Myers, his nomination for pitchers who make no sense so far this year is Dylan Bundy. And I was totally on board with Cecil on this one up until maybe about a week or so ago. 
And, you know, I, I really thought that Bundy was kind of overhyped uh, because he's not been that great of a strikeout pitcher. And if he's not missing bats, he's been such an extreme fly ball pitcher and pitching for the Orioles, pitching at Camden Yards, all those away games in the AL East. I just thought this guy is just a massive regression waiting to happen. And then I discovered something. This is the beauty of StatCast. I know I cite them several times every show, but, you know, between the, the exit velocity and the launch angle data and, and you know, batted ball distance, and, you know, there's just so many ways to break down what's going on with a pitcher. And this, these data help to make sense of what's going on with Dylan Bundy. Yeah, he allows a lot of fly balls, but on average, and he's allowed 32 fly balls, so he's getting to, you know, it's getting to the point where it's it's a decent sample size. He's allowed them to travel an average of 298 feet, and anything under 300, 305 is really exceptional. In fact, as far as starters go, there's really only a handful that have allowed a shorter distance than him. Chris Archer's one, Danny Duffy is one, um, uh, Derek Holland is one. Or actually, no, Derek Holland is, is just slightly ahead of him, uh, slightly larger distance. But these are pitchers, you know, who may allow not not so much Archer, but you know, somebody like Derek Holland, um, Danny Duffy, allow a lot of fly balls, but they don't allow much hard contact on those flies. And so that's what Dilly has done. D- Dylan Bundy has done to to really an exceptional length. So it's to the point where, yeah, he may be disappointing in terms of the strikeouts, but he's, you know, fly balls tend to be outs as they are, but there's that risk reward factor of, you know, fly ball might be an out, but it might be a home run or a double. Well, with Bundy, he's limiting, limiting the damage ball, getting all the benefits of being a fly ball pitcher. So that's pretty cool. But we got one more pitcher who doesn't make sense. He's the one that inspired me. We're going to talk about him right when we come back. Welcome back, everybody, to Fan Rick Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, before we get on to the mystery pitcher that I, uh, I teased you with before the break, there's a pitcher who just his numbers make absolutely no sense to me. A uh, few news items that have come up uh, over the past maybe half hour or so. Uh, this one, not a huge surprise, but the Cubs are promoting Eddie Butler from AAA Iowa to uh, take the spot of Brett Anderson, the rotation. So he's going to start on Friday against the Cardinals. So uh, if you were hoping for an Eddie Butler Cubs debut, you get it on Friday. Uh, We also talked earlier in the show. I talked earlier in the show about Kendris Morales having a hamstring injury. The Blue Jays lineup is out. He is not in it. Jose Bautista uh, will be serving as the DH in Morales' place. And in left field uh, is Steve Pierce. So Pierce in the lineup and batting fifth. Uh, Good news, very good news for James Paxton. He has been cleared to resume throwing today. So that is uh, good news. Uh, Keep monitoring that. Uh, Paxton, of course, on the DL with the forearm strain. And uh, if you listen to Monday's show, you got to hear Trevor May of the Twins uh, talk about all kinds of stuff. And one thing he said that I thought was very interesting was how the, the Twins you know, like to keep guys in the minors and work out their, you know, their problems there. I mean, I'm probably doing a terrible job of paraphrasing 
uh, what Trevor said, but uh, this sort of jives with this news item that Jose Barrios is not expected to be promoted uh, in the next week or so. So I uh, probably see uh, Nick Tepish uh, and or Adam Wilk there in the back of the rotation. So uh, no Jose Barrios, which I know is a disappointment to those who have been stashing him. So, all right, uh, with no further delay, the pitcher who has really befuddled me th- so far this season is Andrew Triggs. And as I said, one of the Twitter respondents who uh, came up with the name at Let's Go Mets 15, uh, he also mentioned tr- Triggs. So, uh, you know, I don't know what to make of this guy. I mean, he's been really good so far. Uh, 2.21 ERA, 5-2 and two with the A's. Uh, decent strikeout rate, but he's had really good, really good control. Only 2.2 walks. And this is a guy who does not work in the zone very much and doesn't get many chases outside the zone. So I don't know how he's got that really low, uh, that really low walk rate. And he has been getting swings and misses, uh, particularly, uh, you know, really pitches, you know, both in and out of the zone. Uh, and yet his strikeout rate isn't that high. So uh, almost everything about Triggs's stat line looks like the opposite of what it should be. It seems like instead of being a kind of a moderate strikeout, low walk guy, that he should profile more like uh, and Robbie Ray's probably too extreme an example. But, you know, more in that direction. I don't know if that's coming for Triggs, but I'm very interested to see how his season progresses from here on out. And if he's able to maintain that that low ERA and a 1.3 whip, especially with for somebody who doesn't, uh, you know, have great control and does not seem to necessarily have the command to get people to chase pitches out of the zone. Um, now I'm not saying he's regression, bad. I'm just confused about Andrew Triggs. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's certainly one to watch. So, all right. Well, let's uh, just uh, quickly here g- give you an update. So that uh, Royals Rays game is now final six six nothing Royals. So Vargas goes to five and one. Odorizzi a tough luck, luck loser two and two, and the Red Sox and Brewers are still knotted up at one one. So uh, good stuff there, both for Eduardo Rodriguez and for uh, Jimmy Nelson. Uh, Rodriguez. Uh, made it six innings in that game. Just one run allowed. No walks for him. And no home runs. So that is a very, very encouraging sign for Eduardo Rodriguez. So thanks again for joining us today. Thanks to Chris Towers for joining us. We will be back on Sunday. So uh, look forward to seeing you here on Mother's Day. Have a great afternoon, everybody.